The title of my message this morning is A Revival Triggered by Demons. And uh, I, I, love, I love the fact that God will use whatever means necessary in order to bring about the fulfillment of his purposes in whatever situation that is. Don't you know that God that we serve is not limited by the simple things that oftentimes stumble us up or cause us to struggle. God is not limited by those things. God uh, looks at those things and um, has no problem with them. And even to the point of, if you have your, your Bible this morning, open to Acts chapter 19. It will be up here um, probably in a few minutes. But um, Acts 19, verse 8, we're going to jump in this week. It's, it's Paul's third missionary journey. Um, he's done some incredible things. We've looked at this over the course of how many weeks now? Many weeks. Um, we, we serve a God that has literally invaded through Jesus Christ, the culture of the world, and changed incredible things. Don't you know, when you look at these different churches, um, I don't know about you, but I'm inspired by them. You know, you look at them, and uh, Peter gets up, and he starts speaking, and 3,000 people are saved in one day, and people are getting uh, radically changed and, and uh, radically uh, motivated to do things for God. The entire book of Acts is this representation for us, but uh, someone, someone this week said, you know, when we're looking at these stories and we're seeing these different churches, what does that mean for our church? And, and I wanted to say this morning that our church will look different from these churches. There will be some similarities, but there are some exciting things that God wants to do in this church. And uh, when we look at the book of Acts and all that God's doing through the book of Acts, be inspired and excited knowing that God has a plan. So in verse 8, we see Paul enters the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively, which he did a really good job at, about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They, they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them and he took the disciples with him and had uh, discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. I want to take a pause here for a second because oftentimes when we get involved with things that we believe God's calling us to, we expect for it to, right? Come on, God, you told me to do it. Why isn't it over already? You know, live in the moment. Take the opportunity. Enjoy the journey because that's what it is. Our relationship with Christ is not this. Um, it, it's about the journey. It's about what we're experiencing. And oftentimes we just, oh, I just want it to be over already because sometimes it's difficult circumstances, situations. I acknowledge that. But other times God's just causing our character to be grown and us to be built up. Take the opportunity to enjoy the, uh, the moment. For Paul, it took two years. But if you notice, um, so all Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. There was purpose in why it took two years. God was reaching out to, to every Jew and Greek in that area. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illness were cured and the evil spirits left them. So some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of, of uh, the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now, if you remember a few weeks ago, I talked about the seven sons of Sceva. Well, here we go. Here's what it says in verse 14. Seven sons of Sceva, Jewish uh, chief priests, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. 
Woo! Talk about a little scary, right? (laughs) And here's what it says. One day the evil spirit said to them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. (laughs) Isn't that an an incredible story? It really uh, wants, um, it drives me to this point this morning is naming Jesus is no substitute for knowing Jesus. You know, there's, an, there's adoring fans of movie, TV, literature, sports. We buy thousands of dollars. We go out and spend thousands of dollars on signatures so we can hang it on our wall. And, uh, you know, we, we listen to the news, watch TV for juicy tidbits. We, we look at Facebook and we look at the Internet just so that we can know this person that we idolize just a little bit more. So that we can have the reality that this person's my hero or this person's this or that to me. You know, but just because you know the city that they were born in, their favorite color, their, their childhood pets, doesn't mean that you've met that person face to face. Jesus responded to this question in Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell you plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoer. There were a lot of people in the time of Jesus. They were, they going around saying we should follow this law and we should do these rules and we should act this way because this is the way that Jesus wants us to live, act and, and proceed forward. But the reality is, is that. These, these people, they applauded at Jesus' miracles and they followed him everywhere he went. But some of those people are the very people that Jesus looked at and says, depart from me, I never knew you were an evildoer. Now that's a little bit disconcerting to me. I, I think that we will be surprised based on who we see in heaven. Because there's some that you're like, that person's there's no way that they're ever going to be in heaven, that they're going to be in heaven. You're like, Whoa, how'd you get here? <laughs> and then there's going to be others that you're like, this is the most holy, saintly person. They can basically walk on water just like Jesus. And you're going to be, or what happened? Today, there are thousands of people that know about Jesus. They commit memory verse out of memory verse after memory verse to mine. They happen, they maybe go to church regularly, but they've never allowed the facts to penetrate the very essence of their heart. All that Jesus is to them is somebody that is in the Bible. It's a fictional, historical, possibly, uh, maybe they've grasped some aspect of who Jesus is, but Jesus hasn't really truly become the, the Lord of their life. It, there's a saying that says, unless the Lord, uh, Unless the Lord is Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Sometimes I, I think of that as kind of a tongue twister. But I say, am I making the Lord over everything? Or am I holding things back from Jesus? And I think that the reason that sometimes we hold things back 
and don't allow the Lord to be Lord of all is because we don't truly understand who Jesus is. We can easily substitute religion for relationship, can't we? Sometimes I'm, I'm even guilty of that, you know? Standing up here before you, there are some times that I allow religiosity to take the place of Jesus, where we should do that because it's the proper thing to do. No, we should do that because that's what Jesus lived and expressed and showed. It does, it's not about should do, it's because Jesus did. That's, what, that's what's powerful about this. You know, we can appreciate the facts of Jesus' death and resurrection, but until we make him the Lord of our lives, those things are just stories. The reality of those things are not life transforming to us. We have not accepted his sacrifice if we have not bought 100% into making Jesus Lord of our lives. How many of you guys have that, that person kind of like you go to the movies to, because, you know, Denzel Washington is one of those people for me. I know it's kind of weird, but um, <laughs> Jennifer Gardner, yes. Watch, watched every uh, movie that she was in. You know, you look at this person and you look at what they look like and, um, you know, whether they have brown hair, blue eyes, dimples. But it's not until you actually meet that person face to face. And when you do, you kind of, <laughs> uh, it's nice to meet you, right? These sevens, this, this uh, high, Jewish high priest, seven sons of Sceva, they were going on as if they knew Jesus. And then they not, because they not only invoked Jesus' name, but they uh, attached themselves to Paul as well. Paul, uh, the, the guy who preaches Jesus, yeah, we cast you out in his name. But what happened? Bloody and beat and naked, they ran out of the house because they didn't know Jesus. And again, naming Jesus is no substitute for knowing him. The, G- the demons know Jesus. Which brings me to the second point is, does the devil know your name? Does the devil know your name? Paul we know. Jesus we know. You know why the demons knew Paul? It's because he knew Jesus. It, no- it had nothing to do with Paul. Paul was an incredible person, did incredible things, but Paul minus Jesus equals we don't know you. Eric minus Jesus means the devil doesn't know us. Without Jesus, we are simple human beings. So the first thing, how does the devil know your name? You know the life of Jesus. It's the roadmap that will guide your life. It will allow you to see the captive set free, heal the sick, uh, the dead raised, the blind see, the deaf hear. We know Jesus. He is able to do these things. And because we have that relationship with Jesus, because he's become very real in our lives, we live out those same, same things and we can practice the life of Jesus. Mark 16, 17 says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in the name. They will drive out demons. We will have the authority in the name of Jesus. It is ours subject to use according to the power of Jesus in us. We have the power to cast out demons. Is it because we are powerful in and of ourselves? No, absolutely not. It's because Jesus is with us 
and has given us that power and authority. There is power in the name of Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God exalted him in the highest places and gave him the name that is above every name. And at that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And John fourteen fourteen says, You may ask me for anything in the name and I in in my name and I will do it. So every tongue and never knee will bow and confess, and that we have the ability to go to Jesus and ask for things in his name, and he'll do it. Holy smokes, that's awesome, right? Here Paul spent two years doing that in Asia, and every person, every person, Jew and Greek, is coming to hear the word of God in their community because they are. Paul is being faithful and living out. You know, when you ask things according, uh, anything in his name, it's according to God's will. If you are seeking God's will for your life, God will fulfill his will in your life. And he will do the things, the desires of your heart become God's desires God's desires become, uh, switch those around. God's desires become your desires and you live out those things and they're fulfilled in your life. So in verse 17 of, of Acts chapter 19, here's what it says. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. I'd be a little fearful too if I saw someone running out of a house naked and beat. <laughs> 911, yes, there's someone that just ran out of this house. They're naked and bleeding. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. <clears throat> Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought, brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And after all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Acacia. After I uh, have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He, must, uh, he sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. Grasp, grasp this, church. Paul stayed in Asia for two years proclaiming the word of the Lord. And it says that every Jew and Greek heard... The, about the word of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, this Jewish religious person, how many of you guys can do without the religious type of people that live in this world? The religious people of this day, the seven sons of Sceva, the Jewish high priest, decides that he's going to take the authority that doesn't really belong to him because he doesn't quite know Jesus, and he's going to use this authority to cast out demons. Well, what happens? The demon kicks his butt. But that's just minuscule uh, with regards to this story. This is, this is what I want you to, uh, to grasp. It says that the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, that they, see, they were seized with fear and that the name of the Lord was held in high honor. That's important, but this is even more important. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed all that they had done. Last week we talked about um, Paul he had this moment speaking before all these religiously minded people who thought they knew a lot, right? And all of a sudden he had this mic drop, drop moment where he said, okay, I've done all that I can do. He sat down and it says that the, the spirit of the Lord worked on the crowd and many that day were saved. Paul spent two years 
actively pursuing the knowledge of Christ for the entire community that he lived in, in all of Asia, every person heard about the word of God. But it wasn't until this moment that this demon manifested and kicked the seven skins of Sceva's butt, driving them out of that house naked and bloody, that the word of the Lord literally poured down on people and they were coming in droves to know the real power of Jesus Christ. And they confessed all that they had done. And here's the, here's the kicker. They all brought um, their books of sorcery. We know that we live in a community that has uh, some issues with sorcery, don't we? We have a, a bookstore that sells sorcery-minded things right on Main Street here. Well, these people, they confessed all that they had done. That's life change right there, church. And it's because, Why? It's, it's literally a revival triggered by a demon, right? This demon kicks this spiritually minded person out of this house naked and bloody. And then all of a sudden lives are changed. It's incredible. We think that we are the ones that have to go and we have to work and we have to grind and we have to do this and we have to do that. But all we have to do is live out our lives according to the way that Jesus is calling us to live out our lives. That is faithful, that is obedient, that is surrendered, that is looking at God, Jesus, saying, Lord, you are Lord of my life. And then the miraculous will take place. You want, you want to know how, many, um, how much 50,000 drachmas is worth in today's uh, day and age? One man's wages for 137 years. So these people were so radically changed that they come to the bonfire in the city square and they start bringing these books. And I can imagine that they're ugly and they're demonic and they just start tossing them into this fire. And, and in one afternoon, 137 years worth of one man's wages are burned up, but many lives are changed and they're radically set free in the name of Jesus because... Because Paul was faithful to preach for two years. It doesn't say how much uh, growth that they experienced. I, I would imagine that if 3,000 people were added to their numbers daily, it probably would have said it. But that's not what it's saying here. He was faithful to what God had called him to for those two years. And lives were drastically changed in one afternoon. When you know the life of Jesus and practice the life of Jesus, it will be offensive to those in the world, however. Luke 6, uh, 21 through 23 says, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in the day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. We think that if we are good and we do what we're supposed to, that everybody's going to cheer for us and everybody's going to love us and everybody's going to pat us on the back and everybody's going to invite us to dinner and we're going to make a million bucks because God's going to bless us. But guess what? Blessed are you when people hate you and they exclude you and they revile you and they, they spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in the day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven. Aren't you? We look forward to it, but we stay busy with the work that God has for us. So the next hall that I want to just read is what um, Jesus did in this community. 
Here's what happened in verse 23. About this time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Aramidus, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. And he called them together along with the workers and related trades and said, You know, my friends, that we received a good income from this business. And you see that you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in um, practically the whole province of Asia. <laughs> and he says that God made with by human hands are no gods at all. There is a danger not only to our trade and we'll lose its good name, but also to the temple of the great goddess Aramedes will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Isn't it amazing that we don't have to go on the defense for God? These, these uh, silver workers, they were concerned because they're about to go broke. And one day they threw that many uh, sorcerer's books into the fire. Man, we are out of a job, right? It would be awesome the day that there is no longer uh, pornography uh, available because people say, hey, you know what? Forget it. I'm into godly marriages and I don't need pornography. It would be an awesome day when um, there's a list of things we could go through when certain businesses shut down because Human beings are not pursuing those things anymore. It'll be a great day when little girls are not stolen from their beds or from the the parks because full-grown men decide that it's disgusting. It'll be a great day when people don't feel the need to mask their hurt and their desires by um, alcohol or drugs because they have freedom in Christ. That will be a good day. It is a good thing that we don't have to defend God because he will be discredited and that people will stop worshiping him. That's not the God that we serve. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Aramides of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar and the people seized Gaius and uh, Aristarchus, Paul traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. And Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, um, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front, and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, great as Aramedes of the Ephesians. And the city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all this world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Aramedes and of her image, which fell from heaven? <laughs> Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then uh, Demetrius and the fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are pro-councils. They can um, press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. 
As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what is happening today. In that case, we should uh, not be able uh, to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. And after he said this, he dismissed the assembly. You know, I want to just bring this up as God actually goes before us and he works on our, our behalf. And he does the miraculous because he loves us. And he causes the church, the kingdom of God to expand, not because we are anything great, but because he has made us great through Jesus. And all we have is this, in this example is, first off, Paul living a really great example of steadfastness. We live in a world that is so broken when it comes to being committed to anything. We lose focus after just a few moments and we want to move on to the next best thing. But I, I, I believe that God wants us to hear this is persevere. Persevere in the things that he's calling you to do and the person that he's called you to be. Do not lose hope because we serve a God that causes hope to, to well up in us and cause us to be better people. It is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus that allows us to go to the brokenhearted, to the blind, to the deaf, to the demon possessed and pray for them. And this morning, as I, as I just even comprehend what took place in this story, there will be people that will come up against you. They will say evil things about you. They will misrepresent the things that you try to speak. They will misrepresent your life and your lifestyle. And they will, and we live in a world now that says just because you're a Christian, you hate everybody else, right? But that's not truth. That's not my truth. That's not my heart. That's not my desires. I believe that God's called us to to love the world that we live in. Can you imagine? I, I don't, I don't want this huge, uh, demon possession situation to take place in Brookings. But can you imagine if something were to trigger a great revival like this in the city of Brookings? Prayer is a good point. If my people will fall on their knees, cry out to me, humble their hearts, I will hear them from heaven and I'll answer their prayers. Revival is coming. It will take place. And I guess the good question is, is are we going to be ready to lead the city of Brookings into this revival? Obviously not on our own abilities or, or desires, but on the desires of God for this community. I've lived here for a year and a half. I felt fallen in love with this community. I fall in love with the people walking down the streets. You kind of get to know the homeless guys walking down the streets. You get to, you get to know the people that are, walk on the beaches every day. You kind of get to know the clerks in line at uh, Fred Meyer. Hi, Erica. <laughs> Hi, Jan. You know, we, that, that's a part of this community that we live in. It's such an incredible opportunity to live in such a, a close-knit community. What is God calling you to do in order to see the fulfillment of revival take place in Brookings? And, and larger perspective in Curry County. I hope it's not going to take somebody running out of a building naked and bloody. <clears throat> but I'll, I'll say amen to whatever it is. And I, I will say I will be obedient to be a person that pursues that with passion. Because we serve 
a good God that desires good things for us.